This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. If you love these over-under games, we've talked about using multiple apps to find the best lines. And fortunately, there's a new one, Rival Fantasy. They're a sponsor of the show, and they feature over-under contests. And they have exploitable lines, so check them out. RivalFantasy.com slash fantasybook. takeaways oh feels good feels so good to be home these friendly confines of my my house i listen it was great to be on the road broadcasting from north florida we will talk about that in a little bit we'll talk about north florida we'll talk about jacksonville and how much i I love jacksonville i love the team i enjoyed spending some time in st augustine love my man alan soslowski he is very much in the running to uh, be the new co-host of the Sonic Truth podcast, so uh, stay tuned for that. And today we have a lot of a lot of takeaways. Wow, right? I was just so eager, very eager, to sit down on the couch on Sunday and uh, spend some time with my daughter watching football. That's what she loves to do. It was it was amazing. So we'll we'll get to that in a minute. But I really enjoyed watching football yesterday and decompressing from a vacation right needed some time off from the vacation i think we all have been there we've all been there the vacations they, they end up being a very ambitious endeavor a lot of these vac- vacations are not that relaxing uh, certainly some relaxing moments some really fun moments we'll get into that but uh needed a uh decompression from the vacation and football did a great job i mean the nfl is doing great you want to know why the nfl is the the biggest sport in america why the NFL draft is the second biggest sporting event. Watch, especially watch the the four o'clock games, the late afternoon games yesterday. Oh baby, oh baby! Some some quick takeaways. Elijah Moore is back. Garrett Wilson is surging up the dynasty rankings now that he has Mike White. Monitor roster permission to get mildly excited about Ty Johnson. Even more excited about Zonovan Knight. Zonovan Knight is a name to know. Traylon Burks. Looking good. Looking good. There are some structural problems with Traylon Burks situationally, but I'm loving it. I was also loving uh, the headgear, post-game headgear worn by Brian Robinson. We'll get into that. Amari Cooper and uh, how to predict when Amari Cooper is going to go off. It's pretty easy, actually. Uh, So we'll we'll get into that. I'm on Ross St. Brown. He's right there. Locking arms with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson going up the, the dynasty rankings at wide receiver. We get to revisit this 2019 running back class. Wow. I also want to revisit the uh, 2021 quarterback class. Oh, God. And, uh, oh, God, Russell Wilson. Oh, God. Oh, God, this uh, Christian McCaffrey trade. Oh, God. Quez Watkins. Quez, I, deep options. Matt Collins scored. Uh, that was fun. Quez Watkins, we'll talk about the law of the conservation of targets, and Justin Jefferson, 
is now right there with Cooper Cup in fantasy points per game. We'll talk about the counselor. We'll revisit the counselor. And it's just the worst take on Cooper Cup that's ever been given in the history of fantasy football. The Falcons have the best running game, and I'll explain why and why it's not close. Lamar Jackson following the dynasty rankings, but for a very specific reason that go beyond him. You can watch the game and you'll you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, but we can also look at the metrics and the metrics on uh, Trevor Lawrence looking pretty good, looking pretty good, exciting. Jaguars fun team. Uh, Travis Etienne gave us a, a a big scare. I mean, oh my God! If if they took Etienne away from us, I don't know what I would do. I mean, he's the reason I'm in a bunch of leagues that I'm even surviving. And this show is not only surviving, it is thriving for two reasons. The support of this show from the listener community on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash podfather. Patreon pays for me, Cody, Dario, and everyone else that podcasts on the player profile or network. That is patreon.com forward slash podfather and our sponsors. If not for you and them together, we do not exist. And we have special offers for our listeners from all our sponsors. Go to the menu on Player Profiler, and it's right there. And pay special attention. If you're in Ohio or Maryland, there are special sportsbook offers for you because a bunch of sportsbooks are going live in your states right now, or you're about to go live on January 1. So let's talk about the slate. What a set of games. I mean, it started slow, right? We started slow, but then the next thing you know, I was like... uh, sitting at, at on my couch with my daughter and she said dad can we just watch football today and i said uh yeah 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 i mean i i wish that for any dad i know that it's, it's a very rare thing that you have a an 11 12 year old daughter who just wants to sit and watch the red zone channel all day i understand i have friends with daughters they've told me this is not usual right this is not a common occurrence so i do feel very lucky and she's like, there's not a lot going on. These are some boring games. And at that very moment, uh, Derrick Henry broke away for a, a sure touchdown, right? And then the next thing you know, he's getting stripped from behind. So Derrick Henry did his best Jared Cook impression. I mean, how many times you, you're ever, never, right? I mean, it was like, how many times, never, oh, how many could you ever, never? I mean, the idea that someone would catch Derrick Henry from behind and poke the ball away at the one-yard line, that's just is, it's an impossibility. But it happened, and then Traylon Burks falls on it for a touchdown. And sadly, sadly, some, some leagues, they don't count that. They don't count that as a touchdown. And you need to go back in your league settings and make sure this is awarding six points. Think about what, if anytime you recover a fumble, in the end zone, it's a competitive event that you have just won, right? You were victorious in a great battle for that football. You should be rewarded. And if you watch that play, Traylon Burks was blocking all the way downfield. The guy is an incredible motor. He's what the film people love. You want to know why there was this great debate in the offseason with Traylon Burks versus Drake London among all the the NFL draft analysts and aficionados. You had the the film guys all lining up behind Burks, and you had all the metrics guys looking at breakout age and yards per route run, age-adjusted yards per route run, whatever it is, right? Looking at Drake London. It's got to be Drake London, right? So you had huge Drake London enthusiasts with their analytics, and you had huge Traylon Burks enthusiasts with their film. 
and and you understand it. You understand all, all, exactly how it all plays out this way. We prefer Drake London because we're a metric shop. Now, we, we also appreciate the film, though. That's why we weren't dismissing Burks. It seemed difficult for both Burks and Traylon Burks to both break out, especially in a class that already has Olave and Garrett Wilson. There's going to be some busts in the first round. Now it's looking like the only bust is Jahan Dotson. It's like, yeah. yeah. Who was the big reach in the 2022 NFL draft at wide receiver? It was Washington going Dotson over Burks, Dotson over Pickens, Dotson over Sky Moore. And you look up and shockingly, but not shockingly at all, it's Jahan Dotson who's not producing. And you look at these other wide receivers all the way through Christian Watson, George Pickens, all producing. I say, oh, you were wrong about Christian Watson. He's outproducing Alan Lazard. He is with touchdowns. Absolutely. He's been as fortunate with touchdowns the last three weeks as any wide receiver in the league. There is going to be some touchdown regression coming. And every week, you say there's going to be regression coming every week, right? Where's the regression? Remember with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? You said he was going to regress, and then he kept scoring touchdowns. And then what happens? He regresses. I like Christian Watson. I have a lot of Christian Watson in Dynasty especially. We liked Christian Watson coming into the season. We've been bullish on him. We refused to push him down the Dynasty rankings when it looked like he was a surefire bust. And now he's breaking out, and it's great. It's great, mostly with touchdowns, like getting your four targets with two touchdowns, six targets with a touchdown in big-time shootouts, right? That's great. I didn't see a shootout coming against the Eagles, against that defense. No, 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 no. That was impressive. That was that, what against those cornerbacks, against a Darius Slay. Whoo, Christian Watson, you, you should be impressed. Right. That that is that is the definition of impressed. If you can go up and have a you know 15 plus fantasy points against elite competition against alpha corners, true alpha corners, that's impressive. That's something that, for example, Amari Cooper can't do. And Amari Cooper is a top 10 fantasy wide receiver this year. Not against alpha corners. He's not. But against everybody else, he slays. Christian Watson did some slaying, some slaying, slaying. Against Darius Slay. That's right. And James Bradbury. I mean, one of the best cornerback duos in the league. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. You can be impressed and know that there's going to be touchdown regression on the horizon, especially when now Aaron Rodgers, not 100%. Now Jordan Love looked great. We're going to talk about this 2021 quarterback class and how impressive it is. Put it in context. Do we have to go all the way back to 1983 for a quarterback class this good? Woof. Are we going back to Dan Marino? Are we going back to Jim Kelly? Ooh. Let's talk about the broadcast. My daughter and I are enjoying football. We had popcorn. I had pistachios. <laughs> we had chocolate that we got among our travels. It was great, right? And then a funny thing happened. Uh, Las Vegas, Seattle went into overtime. An incredible game. Just, in, I mean... Josh Jacobs going over 200 yards, giving everybody giving you what you wanted, right? It was just, it was amazing. A one-handed catch from Devontae Adams, like, oh my God, slow it down, rewind. Again, it was, as soon as that Derrick Henry fumble on the one-yard line was recovered by Traylon Burks, everything opened up on the slate. It was like nonstop action from that moment forward. 
And it was interesting that with Traylon Burks, as it turns out, he has a high dog rating per Cody Carpentier that it, it's grit and guts and toughness that led Traylon Burks to be blocking so ferociously downfield that he would just look down. Oh, there's the football. Oh, touchdown. And if the scoring setting was correct in your league, 17-point week. I started him in a bunch of leagues. I was excited about it. Right. The only thing that can hurt you is if Tennessee gets up and then it's the Derrick Henry show. Fortunately, that was it was the game was back and forth, and they were throwing the football plenty, and he looks good. But then so does Drake London. Drake London had an incredibly impressive shoestring catch where it's like, okay, most wide receivers don't make that catch. Most wide receivers aren't blocking downfield and, and, and falling on the football, especially at the wide receiver position. We love it when wide receivers have a high dog rating. It's why we like George Pickens so much. He's so intense and such attention to detail that at the wide receiver position, you have so many of these super talented athletes that just put it on autopilot. For some reason, no one understands why there's this diva mentality with so many wide receivers. They get to the NFL, they put it on autopilot, and you don't hear from them again. And these are guys with incredible athleticism. And yet the guys that, that aren't necessarily the greatest athletes, somehow th those are the ones with the, the intense training regimen. They're the ones that end up breaking out over time and becoming Amon Ross St. Brown, what he is, right? He's famously the most intense worker among the wide receivers from the 2021 class. And now you're seeing this from Traylon Burks. It's interesting. Normally, we're not out here saying, hey, look at that effort. Look at that toughness. But at wide receiver, it matters. It matters more than almost any other position. If you can have that, because it's, it just takes so much diligence and perseverance to stay at the top of the wide receiver position over time. So I'm excited. A lot of rookie wide receivers surging up the dynasty rankings. Traylon Burks surging, not because of any like particular feat of athletic brilliance. Didn't even have a shoestring catch like Drake London, but Drake London, I mean, so many of these rookie wide receivers not named Jahan Dotson moving up. And so we're, we're, we're sitting on the couch, my daughter and I, you know, popping popcorn, pistachios, and the game goes to overtime and uh, Red Zone Channel shuts off, which is, you know, standard for some weird reason with the TV rights. The NFL needs to clean this up. Like, I mean, it's just if this if this were Twitter and, you know, Steve O complained on Twitter about, you know, some experience he was having, Elon Musk would reply directly and be like, yeah, we're going to get an engineer to work on this tomorrow, right? The NFL's had this problem with the Red Zone channel for as long as I can remember. Someone assign an engineer, get Musk, get somebody to figure it out and have someone call somebody, make a call, call CBS, call Fox, work it out. Keep these games on the Red Zone. It makes no sense. For the final five minutes of a game to arbitrarily just be shut off in your face. And it's fine. Okay. So now you have to go back and you have to go to your computer. You're casting it. And then you can find the other channel where the local broadcast is. Then you have to switch the casting. And then maybe you miss a bunch of plays. So that usually it's it's annoying, but it's something you, you could deal with. You could you manage it. Right? It's just so many years going through it. It's like you never ask, why the hell can't the NFL figure this out? Right.
it wasn't on. So we, we missed the end of the game. And uh, my daughter was like, oh, that was a bummer. And I was like, listen to you. Listen to you. Earlier, you were talking about how it was bad football and it was boring football. Next thing you know, one of the most exciting plays of the day happened literally 30 seconds after you complained. And now you're complaining about this. This was great football. We're about to have another great game with Packers-Eagles. She's a she's Where did she learn this to be so critical all the time? Who's who? Why? Why is she so critical of sports? Where would she learn this from? Who is, she, is someone at school? One of her teachers? We need to figure this out. Who? Who? Where is this influence coming from? Where she's just so critical. <laughs> Why? I was like, easy with the negativity. It was great. And then Scott Hansen comes out with a tweet. And I really appreciated Scott Hansen letting us know that it wasn't his fault. So this was this is uh, up on the screen on YouTube. We're streaming live on YouTube. You see up on the screen. I found out after the show, and he put after the show in bold, right? He had the asterisks around. I found out after the show, guys, that CBS was not carrying Las Vegas, Seattle nationally. I'll try to explain how and why we handle it on our end and in the show protocols, and I'll put it in a separate post. He does this whole long thread about the show protocols and and how they decide whether or not they can continue broadcasting on the red zone or not. Figure it out, guys. Figure it out, Scott. Figure it out, producers. Figure it out, NFL Network, NFL executives, CBS, Fox. Figure it out, man. Don't care. My daughter, I mean, I'm... I'm I'm okay with it. I was like, listen, we can we it's just we we'll figure we'll look at the 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 live box score. It's not the it's not the end of the world, right? But my daughter's not having it, guys. I'm 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 cool. I'm laid back about it. I'm easy going about it. My daughter's not having it. NFL, okay? She's like, where's Musk? <laughs> we needed to get this fixed. And I was like, who who are you? What are you doing? Love you. Love, just love you. Just so much love. So, I mean, just my, whenever she criticizes the NFL, it's just like, my heart's like beating out of my chest. It's like, oh my God, I love this. I love this little girl. Oh my God. That's my daughter, everybody. It's just us. Just us in the room. That's my daughter. So, I was looking at her like, Elijah Moore looking at Mike White like, this is amazing. I feel so fortunate. I lived a life where the quarterback was throwing for 75 yards, had the yips, right? Was this, you know, fake gunslinger at BYU putting up big numbers against Coastal Carolina, gets overdrafted by the Jets because that's what the Jets like to do, overdraft players. And then shockingly gets to the NFL in short circuits. I mean, not shocking at all. Could have had Trey Lance. Could have had, oh, I don't know, Justin Fields. Could have had Mac Jones, but no. No, 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 It was so, Justin Fields was the clear and obvious pick because Justin Fields was a prolific player, just a pro- prolific football player, much less a quarterback at Ohio State. So selecting Trey Lance over Justin Fields didn't make any sense. That was overthinking it. Selecting Zach Wilson over him was just absurd. Was just a 
a, a, a high regret factor waiting to happen. They finally move on. They bring in a player who was Bailey Zappi before Bailey Zappi. Bailey Zappi came in earlier in the year, and I, I think on this show, Top 10 Takeaways, I said, well, he's like a lesser version of Mike White. Like, if, if you... If you love Mike White, then you're gonna like Zappy. But don't don't get don't get too crazy, right? Don't go to the outer ends of the universe talking about oh Bailey Zappy over Mac Jones. Get out of here! It's uh, the case for Mike White over Zach Wilson way stronger than Zappy over Mac Jones. That was the position six weeks ago. That was my daughter's position. She didn't understand what the fascination with Zappy either. She also didn't understand. She had. To, she asked me. She had. To, she made me a, a couple weeks ago. She made me sit down and explain to her. She's like, "Dad, can you explain to me Zach Wilson?" I was like, "What do you mean?" She's like, "I there's some Jets fans in my class, and they think he's good." And I looked at his numbers online, and I don't get it. And I was like, "You don't get it." <laughs> Theo Greminger doesn't get it. There are Jets fans that I know personally, smart Jets fans who are apoplectic about this Zach Wilson situation. <laughs> I mean, I know the reason. It's called take lock, honey. This is what take lock is. And certain general managers have take lock that they then impose on the coaches and force them to play the guys they draft even though there are better players on the roster. It's organizational take lock. So I explained organizational take lock and now finally, after the yips and, and just a game where Wilson refused to take responsibility and claimed that he he wasn't letting down the defense by, by not scoring any points. Like, okay, no touchdowns? Cool. All right. You, you don't feel bad about that. You, you didn't disappoint the defense. No, no, no. No, one field goal is fine. That's all you need. That's all you need. Come on. Three-nothing game. That's all this. The defense can do that, right? So Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore are celebrating now you're getting to see the manifestation of their talents with quality quarterback. Not quite respectable quarterback play. League average quarterback play. Replacement level quarterback play. That's just how bad Zach Wilson was. He wasn't even near that level. And now you see why Garrett Wilson, top 12 dynasty wide receiver, right there with Chris Olave and other wide receivers are coming. Drake London, he's coming. There's no Kyle Pitts. He's going to be consistently benefiting from the law of the conservation of targets. But Traylon Burks and Drake London, these are the two traditional prototypical alphas from this most recent draft class. Unfortunately, they're on extreme run-first offenses, so they can only be so productive this year. But that's why there's this incongruence between their seasonal production and their dynasty value. Big difference. So you love Burks, you love London for Dynasty, because they're not going to be in the, the most run-centric offenses for their entire careers. Be patient. Olave, on the other hand, Garrett Wilson, on the other hand, their running games are totally ineffective, and it's going to be on for the rest of the year for both of these players. I mean, I mean, and Ohio State, right? Ohio State. Justin Fields should have been a top three pick. Wasn't, right? And... uh you look at, was that two years ago, right? Two years ago, Justin Fields should have been, right? Could have, should have, would have with Justin Fields. Ohio State, right? Offensive juggernaut, seeding the NFL with talent. Just a talent machine. A machine that produces NFL talent. That is Ohio State. 
how Justin Fields fell to the Bears, no one will know. Doesn't make any sense. Never made sense. And now you see why uh, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave are the top dynasty wide receivers from this class. And what's even cooler is that when you go to player profiler, they are best comparable to each other. And they are also in a similar dichotomy to Traylon Burks and uh, Drake London in that the film guys love Olave. The metrics guys love Garrett Wilson, like, oh, age adjusted, production, yards per route run, look at Garrett Wilson. And the film guys are like, uh, Chris Olave is the best route runner since Marvin Harrison. And they're both right, right? They're both right. We were more bullish on Olave because we have a guy like Cody Carpentier going to the combine and watching these players and like, hey, Chris Olave is carving up these routes better than anybody we need to have him right there with Garrett Wilson. We can't listen to all of these analytics heads saying that Garrett Wilson is far superior to Chris Olave just because Chris Olave is a senior. That's actually not true, and we're not going to fall for that shit. Now, unfortunately, Cody's uh, favorite running back, Michael Carter, yes, Cody, your favorite running back, he goes down, and now we're looking down the depth chart. Ty Johnson, interestingly, 18 of 24 in the passing game with Mike White. So it was targeted 24 times by Mike White last season. That's exciting. That's what you want. However, Zonovan Knight is behind Ty Johnson. Zonovan Knight is bigger. Zonovan Knight commanded 25 targets per season for two consecutive seasons at NC State. And he's best comparable athletically to Khalil Herbert. He just came out a couple years earlier. He was one of the earliest running backs to come out in the 2022 class. So he's young, he has the size, he has the athletic profile, and the pass-catching ability to be a baseline featured back in the league. He's not special, right? But all the things you loved about Khalil Herbert, that's what Zonovan Knight can do. So the, the potential there is that he has a Khalil Herbert ceiling, and unfortunately, Ty Johnson's had opportunities. Ty Johnson's had a wide open depth chart in front of him on multiple occasions, right? And then nothing, right? He had Tevin Coleman in front of him last year. He had Brees Hall go down in front of him this year. And he's never been elevated. This reminds me of the Mike Boone, Latavius Murray dichotomy in Denver, where the clear answer to me was Latavius Murray. Not because I don't love Mike Boone, but because Mike Boone's like 27 years old and the NFL has definitively passed on Mike Boone time and time and time again. The NFL has been passing on Ty Johnson. And for that reason, I lean toward putting extra fab, fab to make sure I get him whatever is necessary on Zonovan Knight. Because I believe that he has a better chance to take over a featured role. And in this offense, in the Mike White offense, that featured role is exciting. He's not going to be Brees Hall. He's not nearly that kind of player. He's not as big. He's not as explosive. He's nothing in the passing game close to Brees Hall. But he can be a productive player. We're dealing with so many injuries at the running back position and across our rosters in Dynasty. We're all just trying to figure it out. Seasonal leagues as well, right? I looked at my IR spot in one league. I think it was a dynasty league. It, it, it must have been. I saw seven guys on IR. <laughs> right? It's like my whole taxi squad and my IR spots were all filled with injured guys. 
It was like Dobbins and Trey Lance. It was just down the board. It was it was Khalil Herbert. It was just, uh, right? So a guy like Zonovan Knight opens up, and he's affordable, and he's young, all formats, dynasty, seasonal. You want that guy. You want to you want to you want to put him on the roster. He has a better chance to be the Latavius, where Ty Johnson more likely to be a Mike Boone level character. Now I'm hoping that you all saw the uh, photo of Brian Robinson after the game. So Brian Robinson had a nice touchdown. I mean, that's the thing is is if you don't pay the same kind of attention to every player in the league that I do. My daughter, she watches Brian Robinson score that. She thinks Brian Robinson's good, right? She thinks Brian Robinson is explosive. And I'm like, listen, that was one play. On any given play, any NFL player can look like a pro bowler, right? But please go to playerprofiler.com and look up Antonio Gibson. So she's on Player Pro. She's looking up Antonio Gibson. She's really excited. She's like, oh, wow, Antonio Gibson is a lot better. I was like, okay, thank you. Thank you for doing that. I appreciate you. doing. She's doing research. This is amazing. I loved it. She's on her iPad. She's flying around Player Profiler faster than I've ever been able to use a device and use Player Profiler. She's like, she's flying around. It was amazing. It, it really was amazing. So it, it she realizes very quickly, oh, yeah, this uh, this uh, Antonio Gibson's better. But then she's like, uh, I, I don't know. I still really liked uh, Brian Robinson there. I mean, he looked pretty good. And I was like, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, well, again, uh, that was one play. And let's, uh, let's just slow down. And uh, let's see what he does after the game. Let's see, you know, how he... Uh, <laughs> Puts himself together in the locker room. See what he has to say. And then we go to the locker room. And for some reason, he uh, had a hat made by a, by a friend of his that makes big hats. And it was a giant hat. It was a hat that was uh, 17 sizes too big. It was it basically, imagine a, a normal ball cap, but five times bigger. Then, you know, it was, it could be, I don't know, it was a, it could be. If you cut the top off it, it could be a skirt. Okay, put it that way. So he's putting this on his head. I mean, it looked interesting, but then, you know, it all came together for me. I was like, wait a second. Didn't Anthony Schwartz, didn't Anthony Schwartz score a touchdown today? I remember watching that Anthony Schwartz touchdown. That, that, was, that was cool. And then I remembered, I was like, dark helmet. Look at that. On the day, on the day that... Brian Robinson uses the Schwartz to score a touchdown, and he puts a black helmet on, a, a giant dark helmet in the locker room. That's what he's wearing. Spaceballs. Uh, it all comes full circle on the day Anthony Schwartz scored. So I thought that was a special kind of special kind of coincidence that Brian Robinson wearing that hat on the day that uh, we saw the Schwartz. Uh, that was very cool. Uh, it's just football, right? I mean, amazing. And Amari Cooper, also amazing. Amari Cooper, he is the wide receiver 10 in fantasy points per game. That's ahead of A.J. Brown. He's officially more than just a boom-bust wide receiver. Like, we know he's volatile. He is volatile. But uh, there's no question that he should be started regularly in DFS every week in all leagues, and especially against the 
lesser cornerbacks. So I knew Amari Cooper was going to have a day. You knew Amari Cooper was going to have a day. Amari Cooper knew Amari Cooper was going to have a day. Hell, Carlton Davis knew Amari Cooper was going to have a day because he's Carlton Davis. When Amari Cooper is facing, you know, a Xavier Howard, when he's facing an AJ Terrell, he doesn't put up any fantasy points. But when he's facing a Dane Jackson, when he's facing a JC Jackson, who was uh, not himself and in and out of the lineup, DJ Reed, Akella Witherspoon, and Carlton Davis, when Amari Cooper faces inferior cornerbacks, non-elite cornerbacks, he eats, he thrives, he feasts. Just write that down. Just know that. Just forever know that. That's how it works. Amon Ra is always going to feast. Amon Ra, my God, the sun god. My God, the sun god. I told you that my daughter is a Lions fan. She became a Lions fan last year because they were winless and she felt bad. And she's been a Lions fan ever since. And uh, I'm, I'm similar. I'm a fan of Leicester City, a uh, Premier League soccer club, because I saw them lose in extra time. They were up one and they lost by one. Two consecutive goals by a, uh, a I think... Dutch player, Bergawine. And Bergawine is getting subbed out early. Bergawine's not that good, right? You can watch him in the World Cup, maybe, if he's even on the pitch. And Leicester City gave up two goals to that guy in extra time. And I felt bad. I felt really bad for him. And so that's why she's this uh, raging Lions fan now and a Patriots fan also, just a, a football fan. And loves Amon Ross St. Brown, as she should, as we all should. Loving Amon Ra for the right reasons. He has great burst, 129.0, 86th percentile burst score. He's comparable to Brandon Lloyd, who had some amazing highlight catches, a highlight reel receiver in the NFL, and he is a complete animal in the weight room. And and that early breakout age, 18.9, with high target competition at USC, 91st percentile breakout age. So whether it's metrics, whether it's film, whether it's off the field, on the field, you love Amon Ross St. Brown. Now you look at the game log, and yes, he had some bad games, like 5.8 fantasy points against New England, and then 1.4 fantasy points against Dallas, and then they had the bye week, he comes back, and then suddenly, last couple weeks, He's been in fuego. Over 15 fantasy points the last three weeks. Why? Because he suffered that high ankle sprain against Minnesota. I think it was in the third or fourth quarter. He tries to play through it. Can't. It misses a game. One game should have missed three, right? But because of that, it took him a, a full month to get back to 100%, to be able to push off from that ankle and trust it. Now that he can trust that ankle again, boom, he's back. So is it one of the more easily explained lulls in a game log you'll see. And you're, because of that, he's actually the wide receiver seven in fantasy points per game. The number seven uh, wide receiver. And when you look up, big dynasty rankings update coming this week. I'm on Ross St. Brown will be in the top ten. Probably. I, I don't know exactly what the computer is going to process. I think. I'm guessing. I looked today at the lifetime value ratings, 
and there's a whole cluster of guys, you know, the Garrett Wilsons and the Olaves and the Tyree Kills and the St. Browns, some of them, you know, moving in different directions. Uh, Michael Pittman, right, his uh, place in the top 10 is uh, tenuous and about to be uh, over, right? His time in the top 10, about, it doesn't matter what he does. What, 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 can Michael Pittman do anything to secure his place in the top 10 among fantasy wide receivers with what we're seeing from Garrett Wilson, with what we're seeing from Amon Ross St. Brown, younger players, younger players on offenses that have a, a brighter future. I say no, because one of the themes of this show that one of the themes that I often talk about in the monologue of the mind of mansion show is that supporting cast matters. Supporting cast matters a lot. Just ask Tua Tungaveloa. Just ask Lamar Jackson. Right, supporting cast is gigantic. Ask Geno Smith, right? Lamar Jackson, his fantasy points per game is less than Trevor Lawrence since week four. And is that an arbitrary number? Is that an arbitrary dividing line? No. Without Rashad Bateman and now with Mark Andrews in and out of the lineup, why do you think he can't put up 20 fantasy points a game? It's not a coincidence. And when you're sitting there watching the games, you see there goes Demarcus Robinson running across the back of the end zone. Ball's right there for a touchdown. And for some reason, he decides to dive for it, even though it was perfectly thrown. And then clank. Rashad Bateman scores there, right? And then that, that changes everything, right? That cha- that Those plays added up over the course of a season. All these games that Rashad Bateman's missed, this time that that Mark Andrews has missed. He's not 100%. Clearly, if Bateman and Andrews are out there, it changes everything, and Baltimore needs to have urgency adding wide receiver talent this offseason. Urgency. Look at Damian Pierce, right? The offense crumbling around him. He's got Kyle Allen out there who can't sustain drives. They've got one of the worst interior run-blocking units in the league. You're not allowed to be surprised when this guy puts up like 33 yards in two games. 1.6 yards per touch. Supporting cast matters for every position, especially running back, because you need the quarterback to get you in scoring position. You need interior offensive linemen to create running lanes. You need wide receivers like Traylon Burks blocking on outside runs, on screens. Your production is predicated on a lot of other players doing their job. There's not a lot of players doing a great job in Houston. And especially if you're not going to be soaking up targets in the passing game, I have Damian Pierce in the Scott Fishbowl. I went zero RB. I should have drafted Miles Sanders. I did not. I drafted him last year. <laughs> Whoops! Right? Oh. So I, I have the wrong running backs. Like I've, you know, I'm, I'm making my making my way. I got the bye this week. Samaj P. Ryan at running back. I, I'm, I'm making a go of it, but I'm not enthusiastic because I'm looking at Damian Pierce going. How the hell is this guy going to score fantasy points? Just ask the question. Like, how, how does it work? Like, how, how do fantasy points get scored? The best way for fantasy points to be scored, just so you know, is if you make big plays, okay, and your defense gives up big plays. So that's the whole thesis for why you're always stacking Geno Smith in DFS. Why, when you put together a portfolio for DFS tournaments, You always have Seattle stacks. Why? Supporting cast, supporting cast, supporting cast, and a bad defense, right? So Seattle have scored the most touchdowns 
from outside the red zone, right? 14 touchdowns from outside the red zone. Those are, by definition, big plays. Their defense has allowed the most big plays, 11 from outside the red zone. That's per Lord Reeves on Twitter, my man Rich Rebar, who's going to be on the Mind of Mansion show in the weeks ahead. This is how fantasy points get scored. And if you're in that situation, if you're a running back like Kenneth Walker, you're going to have success, even though it's interesting that on any given touch, Kenneth Walker has been bad. He's been inefficient. When you look at the percentage of carries exceeding expected yards, right, and that's on the running back, and that's also a function of the offensive line. Kenneth Walker is in the bottom five, the bottom six in this stat, the bottom six qualified running backs in that stat, a percentage of carries that exceed expected yardage, okay? This is the bottom six, okay? Kenneth Walker, which I did not expect, and then a bunch of guys I did expect. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Darrell Henderson, cut. James Robinson, cut. Cam Akers would have been cut had he not been a second-round pick. So back to the uh, Zach Wilson corollary. They were in the same draft class. Hey, shocking. Oof, right? It's also the case for avoiding players that have suffered Achilles ruptures. I would say that even more specifically, avoiding players that are coming off recent Achilles ruptures because Dante Foreman looked excellent. Dante Foreman looked smooth and was getting the most out of the run blocking that was afforded to him. It's not a great offense, but what the Carolina Panthers do have is great run blocking. They open wide running lanes, and he is able to slide through those lanes and explode upfield. Dante Foreman is exceeding all expectations. He's definitely producing more fantasy points than I expected because you think about a bottom five offense, the same problem that Damian Pierce is facing, I expected Dante Foreman to face, but the interior offensive line is so much better for Carolina than it is for Houston that's made a big difference for Foreman versus Damian Pierce. But they're playing at a similar level, similar level of efficiency and just overall skill sets, very similar, Pierce and Foreman. I imagined Carolina would be evaluating Chuba Hubbard at this point because he could be the future of the franchise at running back. Foreman definitely not. Foreman's past the AJ Pex, but there's nothing that says you can't re-sign Foreman to a two-year deal. Why not? It's the move. Save money at running back. That is the move. And sadly, I mean, Josh Jacobs, in a contract year, is about to start picking up nickels and dimes on the sidewalk. With every yard, okay, with every yard that Josh Jacobs compiles, you need to imagine him picking up coins on the field because running backs are not highly valued. One running back last year, one running back was paid. In free agency, James Conner, Steve Keem, Kime, is it Keem or Kime? I don't care. Steve Keem, Kime, overrated general manager, one of the worst general managers in the league, overpaid James Conner. That's how you knew he's one of the worst, right? Right there. Steve Keem, Kime, don't don't care how to pronounce his name, awful, right? And so the, the number of general managers willing to pay running backs is dwindling to zero. So congratulations, Josh Jacobs. You're making Las Vegas pay for not picking up your fifth-year option, and you're about to get $10 million-plus in free agency. And it's just sad. It's sad 
how well he's playing, how many fantasy points he's scoring, right? For fantasy gamers, this is such a boon. But for Josh Jacobs' career, he's going to feel lucky to get $15 million. He's like, ah, oh, man, I, I'm just hoping to get $20 million over two years, right? 15 guaranteed. Like, what? <laughs> Compare that to what wide receivers make. Wide receivers are making $100 million contracts, right? Tyree Kill's like, pay me $100 million. I want to see the number $100 million written down. Running backs are getting a fifth of that in terms of overall deal size. It is amazing. It is amazing how quickly this has happened because when we started Player Profiler, the whole thought was, well, eventually, in the long run, the NFL is going to start to appreciate analytics and they're going to change how they call plays and, and their whole player personnel decision-making, how they... They structure contracts and who they pay and who they don't. It's all happening. It's all look up. It's happening. And then you see the 49ers trading a bunch of picks to get a running back. And it's like, okay, it's not okay, John Lynch. Also not the savviest general manager in the league. I mean, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? I mean, you trade those draft picks to get 50 total yards from Christian McCaffrey. And yes, that's true. But this was two elite front sevens facing off so no surprise that Kamara and McCaffrey both post less than 50 total yards like sure McCaffrey was disappointing but the game scenario was awful it was a terrible situation for scoring fantasy points when you put the Saints up against the 49ers two bad quarterbacks going up against two great defenses what do you think's gonna happen no points will be scored duh so I'm not panicking about Christian McCaffrey especially now I mean it's a moot point because Elijah Mitchell sprained his MCL. He's probably done for the year. I mean, maybe he comes back. I mean, the guy the guy came back from a serious knee injury, re-sprains his MCL. He should be out for the year. They already have Tyrion Davis-Price. They don't need him. You know, let him get healthy. He's now trying to play for his next contract. I feel bad for him. I feel bad for so many of these running backs. It's like they take such brutal punishment and they get paid so little right josh jacobs was a workhorse ever since coming into the league and they're like no thanks right well you can be on your way no fifth year option for you josh jacobs but knowing that he's an unrestricted free agent all these these running backs from the 2019 class are exceeding expectations miles sanders exceeding expectations josh jacobs exceeding expectations so it's been a, a great couple weeks for the class of 2019 both are unrestricted free agents, Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs. Because you, you might look at the dynasty rankings and like, this is a head scratcher. Zamir White barely plays. How is he a top 50 dynasty running back? Kenny Gainwell has done nothing all year. Why do you continue to post him up ahead of other running backs that are outproducing him? Well, Josh Jacobs probably not going to be on the Raiders next year. It's probably going to be the Zamir White show. And if you like what you're getting from Miles Sanders in the context of this Eagles offense, now imagine Miles Sanders' athleticism with better receiving skills. Well, that's Kenny Gainwell. So, no, you shouldn't be dropping Kenny Gainwell in any format, much less Dynasty. Oh, my God. And then, yeah. Kenny Gainwell comes in, he's a breather back, scores a touchdown, looks great. Yeah, yeah, look at, pay attention to the contracts. 
Get out ahead of this. You need to be trading for Kenny Gainwell, trading for Zamir White in Dynasty. These are two of the best throw-ins and have been all year at running back in Dynasty. Tyrion Davis-Price, now a guy you definitely want. He was not ranked in the top 50 because he's not as good. He's not as explosive as Zamir White. He's not the all-purpose talent that Kenny Gainwell is. And the 49ers had both McCaffrey, who they recently invested draft picks in, and Elijah Mitchell, not going to be a free agent for another two and a half years. So that's why there's such a differential. When you look at the differential between a Tyrion Davis-Price and a Zamir White on our dynasty rankings, the answer is the contracts of the primary backs on those respective teams. And we just, just for, I mean, can we just laugh? Can we take a moment? Everyone just, can we, do you mind if we just laugh at Russell Wilson? Can we just laugh? It's funny. It's funny, right? He's lame and he's bad, right? It's, it's heartbreaking when lame players are good, right? It's always a little, it's just a little, it's a little annoying, right? When, when lame players play well, when they play bad, it's funny. It's just like, <laughs> it's that level, right? It's just so funny, cackling. I was like, I was looking at the, looking at the, just the, the production. Just, just take a look at the statistics. It's just like, what is happening? Poor Cortland Sutton. Oh, this was a per uh, Cooter Doodle. Cooter Doodle. She's great on Twitter. She said, uh, if you've had sex nine times since September 12th, you've scored more than Russell Wilson. And uh, Russell Wilson has definitely had sex fewer times than that. I don't, I don't, I can't, I don't. Do you think Russell Wilson has sex? I don't think he does. That was what came to my mind. I was like, me having sex, okay, that's cool to think about. Russell Wilson not scoring, that's funny. I like to think of Russell Wilson not having sex. I think that is, that is really, that's what's the most funny. And then it's also funny that you have, uh, you know, John Elway, who I know he, he is, uh, you know, he seated the general manager role to someone else. Okay, great. Cool. Yeah, he's not making any decisions at all. He has nothing to do with what happens in Denver. Of course he does. Of course he does. So this is just some fun stats uh, on the Russell Wilson contract, right? So <laughs> Denver can move on if they cut Russell Wilson before June 1st, they'll only be facing $107 million of dead cap. <laughs> but, but the good news is they can get out of the contract early with only $31 million, not essentially nothing, 31 million, only $31 million of dead cap. They can get out in 2026. <laughs> Meanwhile, Geno Smith is the QB7 in fantasy. He is the quarterback. He's the, oh, what are you doing? What? What? I mean, I like Russell Wilson in fantasy before the season. I was drafting some Russell Wilson. I didn't know he was going to be worse than Geno Smith. <laughs> but it's just, wow, right? It, it's just rarely a good idea to be the team that's giving up all these draft picks, right? All the, Now, it can work out. You want to back the truck up for a quarterback. It's possible that it works, right? The Matthew Stafford trade was a success. The Rams won a Super Bowl. That's what matters, right? They could have given up five first-rounders, and they would have 
had they known it would have guaranteed a Super Bowl win. It was worth the risk in hindsight because it paid off. But so often, time after time after time after time, if you back the truck up and you forfeit three or four years of draft picks, you're usually on the wrong side of that deal because there's an informational asymmetry. Seattle knows a lot more about Russell Wilson than you do. And if they're willing to deal him, you need to ask that question, why? That's why fewer trades happen in the NFL than other leagues, because so many of these careers are fleeting and this information asymmetry is a big deterrent. It just makes sense. It would deter me, right? It would make me think twice before doing a deal. Like what underlying injury has this player been playing through that nobody really fully appreciates outside this organization? Is there something about this player's personality that makes him impossible to play with, (laughs) right? Maybe. Is there something like that happening here? Does this player ever set foot in the weight room? These are things that are not public knowledge. And some teams have inside information about what's going on in these locker rooms. Others don't. It's just you don't know exactly what you're paying for. The Matthew Stafford trade was such a high-risk maneuver. Because he had neck problems, back problems. He could have played five games for the Rams and retired. And all those draft picks would have been for not, for nothing, right? So it's such a high-risk maneuver, and it's generally not a good idea. It's generally a bad idea to trade multiple first-rounders for anybody. Especially when it comes with a heavy price tag, where you are paying for the privilege of overpaying a player. So you're giving up a lot of picks. You're giving up a treasure trove of picks for the privilege of overpaying a player. Doesn't usually end well. Like a 20% success rate. I would say those those types of trades are what get general managers fired. Ask Bill O'Brien. And they have about a 20% hit rate. A Tyreek Hill, a Matthew Stafford will hit. But for every Matthew Stafford... There's a Laramie Tunsil for every Tyreek Hill. There's three Russell Wilsons. And Tua Tungabeloa, very happy because the previous regime, the Brian Flores regime, wanted to move on from Tua. But then they get Tyreek Hill, they draft Jalen Waddell, and supporting cast really matters. That's the theme of this show, as has been so many other shows. And you just look at this 2021 quarterback class, Hurts, QB3, the Eagles are in discussions to pay him $50 million. And they should because they know exactly what they're getting. He's an in-house talent. Burrow, QB5. Tua, QB8. Herbert, QB10. And all of these quarterbacks already have 50-plus total touchdowns. Herbert is closing in on 100 already. Name a better quarterback class since 1983. I'll wait. And I will add. Jordan Love, also in that class. He was 6-for-9 for 113 yards and a touchdown. Played great against a top defense in Philadelphia. Jordan Love also faces the Bears. And they are last in the league in most stats. You look at points allowed per drive. You look at TDs allowed per drive. Yards allowed per play. Sack rate. Completion percentage against. Yards per pass attempt allowed. I mean... They're close to league bottom, if not ranked number 32. And that's who potentially 
Jordan Love gets to face next week. We'll see how Aaron Rodgers' ribs are. Poor guy. He's on a losing team. He's not going to make the playoffs. He tried to run it back. Wanted to cash those checks, right? Josh Jacobs like, ooh, that's a lot of money per year. $40 million a year? <laughs> I'm looking at four. Jordan Love could be interesting this week. We'll see. I expect Aaron Rodgers to play, but uh, he might not. He might uh, He might not. I hope he does. I, I respect Aaron Rodgers uh, sometimes. <laughs> once in a while. He does something I like once in a while. But he's he's a, he's been more likable the last few years. A little more down to earth, right? A little less of an asshole. A little more easygoing since he found uh, yoga and psychedelics, right? Ever since he's been using DMT, I'm, I'm, I think he's been a, a, a better person. He's been more palatable. Uh, hasn't been in quite the insufferable asshole, but still, but still. Uh, I'm happy to see Jordan Love. Happy to see this 2021 quarterback class just continuing to exceed expectations. And could we just take a moment and genuflect to the feet of Justin Jefferson? I mean, he went nine for 140 in a touchdown. We saw some of that game on Thanksgiving. I mean, he's now .1 fantasy points per game behind Cooper Cup. So as it turns out, the counselor may be right. If you look at fantasy points per game, which is the way to measure fantasy output and you know fantasy production quality, that's the proper measurement system, not total fantasy points scored. It's very possible. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Justin Jefferson ends up ahead of Cooper Cup in fantasy points per game this season, especially if Cooper Cup comes back and he doesn't have Matthew Stafford, a quarterback. Without Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup would have been doomed anyway. So instead of focusing on Justin Jefferson, unfortunately, we know the counselor decided to victory lap on Cooper Cup's injury. It would have been, it's fun. It's the cool, fun thing to do to celebrate the players that are doing well. It's not cool. It's tragic if you're celebrating when the gladiators go down. Oh, just focus on the positive, man. Justin Jefferson is fun. Travis Etienne has been fun. I, I really, truly hope that a midfoot sprain is only going to cost him a half of football. I'm hearing that. That he could have come back, right? We've heard that before. Right, could have come back in the game and then is out for multiple games. They said Amon Ra could have came back, missed the next game. They said Chuba Hubbard could have came back. He missed the next two games and seeded the primary back role for the rest of the season to Dante Foreman. If you have picked up James Hasty just because, just on principle, because, hey, this is a backup running back, a true handcuff, which is what James Hasty has been, Jamichael Hasty. Did I say James Hasty? James Hasty. Isn't James Hasty? Wasn't he another football player? I feel like J let's look at that. I gotta look that up. I I, I know I'm wrong. It is it, is Jamichael. I know that. I've met him. I met Jamichael Hasty at the Senior Bowl. But I think James Hasty's a real player. Yes. Oh, who did he play for? He played for the Jets. That's right. He was a Jet. Oh, when did he play? Oh, wow. He's 57 years old. Oh my God, I am old. I just dated myself with the James Hasty reference. Oh my God. I wonder if he's related to Jamichael. I don't care. 
I will be playing Jermichael Hasty if Travis Etienne is out next week. I just he just suffered last season a Liz Frank injury that cost him every single game. And now he goes out with another foot injury, and I'm supposed to be like, yeah, he's going to be fine. Yeah, the NFL said he's going to be fine. Yeah, coaches said he could kind of come back. It's just fine. It's, not, it's, it's probably not fine. If they're saying he's day-to-day, you know that's week-to-week. If he's week-to-week, it's month-to-month. So I didn't, wasn't there, who, there was a player who was hour-to-hour. I feel like a Justin Fields was hour-to-hour at one point, and he missed the game because hour-to-hour is day-to-day. So that's what happens. If you he's on the wrong day, not feeling as good, hour to hour, misses the game. Or was it Justin Fields? Who was hour to hour? I gotta look at this. I can't. I, someone was hour to hour, minute to minute. It was a quarterback. I think it was Josh Allen. It was a quarterback that had some kind of shoulder arm injury. The the arm shoulder was inflamed and. There was questions of whether he would play, and then he ended up playing. So if he ended up playing, it couldn't have been Justin Fields. Justin Fields it must have been Josh Allen. I just worked it out. I just worked it out. Must have been Josh Allen, not Justin Fields. Anyway, I wouldn't have been surprised at all if they said that Justin Fields was minute to minute because it was his non-throwing arm. If the Bears were in playoff contention, he would have played. I bet that. I bet that is the case. That he is such a valuable asset now for that franchise. They're like, you know. We're not in contention. He's not playing. We're not going to catch the Vikings. Get out of here. It's fun to work those things out live. It really is. Like wait. So logically, that would mean if Fields missed the game, he couldn't have been minute to minute, hour to hour, because the minute to minute, hour to hour player you remember played. It was an arm shoulder injury. Which other quarterback had that kind of injury? Not having any information in front of you, you have to just figure it out. That's fun. It's fun to figure shit out. The Jaguars are a fun team. Okay. Now, before I, I end with the Jaguars and how fun they are, Darnell Mooney was also hurt. So we have one more injury update. Darnell Mooney, high ankle sprain. He's going to miss multiple weeks. Chase Claypool, only a couple catches, but he was featured. So Chase Claypool is an important player to add moving forward. They get fields back with no Mooney. It's going to be the Chase Claypool show. They gave up a second rounder for him. So even if he did have a falling out with the coaches and his teammates, which it sounded like he did a couple weeks ago, it didn't matter. Like the general manager is going to intervene. It's the Zach Wilson corollary and say, I just gave up a second rounder. We're playing him, right? Otherwise, no one's going to know if I was right or not. I need to at least see what my investment can do, right? I'm not going to pay all this money. I'm not going to pay all this capital. I'm not going to give these draft picks up to watch a guy on the sideline. That's not happening, coach. So that's what happened. So now it's going to be Claypool with no Mooney. So I'm excited about Claypool. I'm never excited about Claypool. I have never in my life been excited about Claypool until this week, especially if Fields plays. I'll be excited about Claypool. And I'm just so happy that I finally found a mascot that I can believe in in a, in a major way. In a major way. His name is Jackson DeVille. He's a naked Jaguar with sunglasses and a Stars and Stripes thong. He is the mascot for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And you can see up on YouTube, I have the I have the photo. It's uh, in a, a touchdown celebration by Jamichael Hasty. In the backdrop, you can see 
there's Jackson DeVille. And he's doing a, you know, a, a sort of a, a macho man dance. And there's a, a Bud Light sign right behind him. It's the most Jacksonville thing I've ever seen, and it made me so happy to see it. I was like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing. And then it was also even better that it was shared on social media by one Jack Cavanaugh, our fearless co-host. And uh, how do you not love that? How do you not love that? And when these players change teams, when these players find themselves in new situations, uh, getting opportunity, you may not be able to pick them up on the waiver wire. That Your trade deadline may be over, but that doesn't mean you can't take advantage. You can take advantage in DFS, and we have the StackFest show every week on Roto-Grinders, and you can take advantage on Prediction Strike. Prediction Strike is the platform that treats players like stocks, and when a player has been dismissed, has been relegated, has been forgotten about, and then the situation comes together for that player, that's when you can strike on prediction strike. So you think about the, some of the players we've talked about today, some of the players that um, you know maybe have not been great or that the, just that the public has been generally down on. I'm thinking about Chase Claypool in particular, right? That would be a great player to invest in on prediction strike. No one thinks that he's any good. But if the if the situation is lining up where, oh, oh, who are they facing? Oh, well, this week oh, they're facing the Packers, right? But you look, okay, who's facing the Seattle Seahawks this week? Who's facing the Bears this week? One of the great learnings from talking to Aaron Stewart about Prediction Strike is that it really is a, a week-to-week platform. And... You have to see it in advance. You see when players are going to be getting a supporting cast boon. When you see that, oh, I've made a bunch on Tua. And you look at the the schedule that Tua has coming up. It's like you have the 49ers, the Chargers, the Bills, the Packers, the Patriots coming up on Tua's schedule. Okay, now's probably a time to sell. If you had Lamar Jackson and you were already profiting on Lamar Jackson and he loses his weapons... That is an occasion to get out, right? Even though in the traditional stock market, the recommendation is, hey, you want to be a long-term investor. Over the long run, these stocks will eventually be profitable. Unless you want to be a full-time day trader, you need to be a long-term investor. And I understand that when it comes to the stock market. Just because a platform like Prediction Strike treats players like stocks doesn't mean you need to treat it like a traditional stock market. It's not. You need to think more week to week, month to month on these platforms, these stock market platforms like Prediction Strike and see when a player is is about to be setting foot in, in a great situation, especially a player who has had a, a tarnished brand this season. It would be Chase Claypool at wide receiver regardless of who he's going to face, even if he's facing Jair Alexander, the situational forces of potentially getting a Justin Fields back in the lineup at quarterback and then losing Darnell Mooney, if he has a big week with that athletic profile and with that pedigree, his value on that platform will pop. The same is true with A.J. Dillon. The problem with Christian Watson is he's already broken out in a big way and he's looking at negative touchdown regression. 
and you're not sure who the quarterback's going to be this week. Is it going to be Rodgers? Is it going to be Love? There's no reason to take that chance, right? I know we want to exploit this Bears defense. The way to exploit it, especially if you're not into that game in DFS. Now, if Justin Fields plays, then you could play a Christian Watson and Alan Lazard on the run back. Great. But the player I'm interested in is A.J. Dillon. Because when you look at the efficiency numbers, and we talked about this this efficiency metric, uh, the percentage of carries that exceeded expected yards, the two best players in that metric are Cordell Patterson and Caleb Huntley. That's why Atlanta has the best running game in the NFL. It's those guys, right? It's Huntley, it's Patterson, it's Khalil Herbert, and then it's the two Packers running backs, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. If I told you A.J. Dillon's been efficient this year, you wouldn't believe me. No one would. And his stock has cratered on prediction strike. But if he's going to be facing the Bears' defense, who are like the one of the best possible defenses to face for fantasy football, and you know that there is a higher likelihood they're going to be calling run plays, especially featuring A.J. Dillon next week, than they would normally, because it's either going to be Aaron Rodgers at less than 100%, or it's going to be Jordan Love. They're going to focus more on the running game, and A.J. Dillon is a second-round pick, just like Christian Watson, and he's athletic, just like Christian Watson. It's just that he hasn't had the big plays like Christian Watson has had, and he just hasn't been as fortunate with touchdowns. But no one would be surprised if you look up and, hey, this is just a random 80 yards and three touchdowns against the Bears by A.J. Dillon. And when an A.J. Dillon-type athlete, and Chase Claypool, same thing, second-round pick, upper percentile athletic profile, young. When young athletic players, especially those with early capital, have a breakout week, they pop on these stock market apps, prediction strike, promo code, Underworld gets you a, a a free player share with a twenty dollar deposit. So check out Prediction Strike, get it in the App Store, and things seem to be uh, coming together for AJ Dillon, who has not been good. But if you look at the dynasty rankings, you see AJ Dillon getting a bump. That's why we are getting out ahead of it. Even though when he finally reaches free agency, AJ Dillon will be lucky to make a million dollars. Let's go live. Top 10 takeaways. Monday, noon o'clock. Woohoo! Let's do it. Oh, God. Russell Wilson. Oh, God. Is there something about this player's personality that makes him impossible to play with? <laughs> right? Maybe? Is there something like that happening here? I love Jacksonville.
And we're not going to fall for that shit.